Well, hey, we are in the third week of a series here at Genesis Church, a series that we're calling uh, Follow Me, and the good news is that this series is for everyone, Uh, whether you call yourself a Christian or maybe you're new to all of this, uh, just kind of checking it out, and um, I've been really encouraged by all of the conversations that I've been hearing about, especially from those connection groups of ours that are participating uh, in this series with us. Basically, uh, we're talking about what it means to call yourself a Christian, um, because you see, uh, going to church uh, doesn't make you a Christian. Um, Doing good uh, doesn't make me a Christian, but rather, it's my response to the gospel message uh, of Jesus Christ, and it's about trusting uh, Jesus Christ as my Savior, uh, but also my willingness to submit and to come under His Lordship and his direction uh, over my life. Uh, your campus pastor, Ben Krause, uh, taught these past two weeks. Did he do a fantastic job or what? Have you really enjoyed him? Appreciate Ben. And uh, uh, two weeks ago, he talked about how Christianity is so much more than Sundays. Uh, it's more than a religion, but Christianity, what it is, is it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what's most important. And last week, Ben continued by talking about how Jesus not only saves us who respond to the gospel message, but how through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, what God's doing is he is working to change us and to transform us to become more and more like his son. Well, today, we're going to answer a question. We're going to talk about a question, a question that, in my opinion, has quite possibly been asked more than any other question in church by Christians. I've asked this question. There's a really good chance that you've asked this question, and it's the question, what is God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And why do we ask this question? Because you want to know, right? I mean, I want to know. I mean, we want to know the answer to that question. What's God's will for my life? And in many different ways and shapes and forms, we'll ask questions like, well, who am I supposed to marry? What's God's will for my life when it comes to my love life or, you know, these relationships or my marriage? Am I supposed to take this job or that job? Uh, Which school uh, should I attend? Which college should I choose? Uh, how, How many kids should we have? Should I buy this house or buy that house? Or what's my purpose in this world? We ask the question over and over again in different shapes and forms, what's God's will for my life? Well, I'm going to tell you up front that we're not going to mess around today with this. Uh, I want to answer this question for you. It's already in your notes, and so let's get right to it. What's God's will for my life? Uh, It goes like this. You bring God glory by bearing fruit from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you say it with me? Let's say it together. You bring God glory by bearing fruit from your relationship with Jesus Christ. If I could ask God today, God, what's your will for my life? And I could expect an answer. I'm confident that God would say something like this to me. Paul, you're here on this earth to bring me glory, to bear fruit from your life. And that fruit is going to come out of your relationship with Jesus. Uh, If you're a middle school student or a high school student, I believe that God would say the same to you, that God's will for your life is that you bring God glory as you bear fruit, and that fruit comes out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you work 50 to 60 plus hours a week, if you're a stay-at-home mom, uh, if you're retired, I believe that God's will for your life, what he would say to you is that you bring me glory, you bring God glory as you bear fruit. And that fruit comes out of your growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're brand new to all of this and been standing on the outside asking questions, just kind of checking things out, really wondering, what does it mean to call yourself a Christian? 
I believe that God's will for my life and your life is to bring God glory in the way that we live as we bear fruit. And that fruit grows and comes out of our growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But don't just take my word for it. Let's look to Scripture and discover what this means for each of us. Again, what's God's will for my life? It's in your notes. Uh, We're going to kind of break down this statement together. We see right from the very beginning that you bring God glory, ultimately, your life. You bring, I bring God glory. This is God's will for all of life and every life. Your life is about bringing God glory. Now, we could spend an entire series or an entire year for that matter just talking about why. Why does God deserve the glory? I mean, why is God worthy of all of the glory? Look at the very first verse in Scripture in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so why does God deserve the glory? he's the creator. I mean, he's responsible for every good thing. It all begins with him. And because of that, he is due all of the credit and all of the glory. And it's only right when you think about it. I mean, it's only right, I mean, because we give others their due credit. I mean, think about it and, and maybe help me out here with a little bit of participation on your part. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out a few significant creations or inventions, and what I want you to do is I want you to respond with the name of that creator or that inventor, okay? So let's try it out. Again, a little participation, a little test for us this morning. How about the light bulb? Thomas Edison, all right? We got that. How, how about the airplane? The Wright brothers, all right? You know, kind of invented flight there. We know about that. The telephone, Alexander Graham Bell, okay, Microsoft, Bill Gates, yeah, the iPhone, Steve Jobs, all right, how about, here, let's, let's change it up again, how about the game of basketball, James Naismith, not Bobby Knight, I know some of you think that it was Bobby Knight or something, it's not Bobby Knight, or let's all say it together, who created the internet? Al Gore, right? We all know that Al Gore created the internet, but here's the thing, just as we give honor and as we give attention and credit to the creator of these inventions... Bringing God glory means giving all honor and credit to him. You see, the creator of all things is due all the glory. Look at how the apostle John wrote it in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. He says, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. See, not only creation, but because he is the Lord and the creator of all things, God should get the attention and the credit for your life too. And and so if you're following Jesus, there should be this growing sense, uh, this increasing clarity in you that God is ultimately responsible for all things, that you don't live for yourself, but that you live for him. And so we give him honor and we give him credit and we give him glory by the way that we choose to live our lives. And as always, Jesus is our model. I mean, he is our model for this life and ministry, and he knew God's will for his life. I mean, look at what Jesus said about the way he was living in John chapter 8, verse 50. Jesus said, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And so let me just stop right there for a second and ask you, as we keep talking about this today, what would you say? Are you living for yourself, or are you living for the credit the glory of the one who created all things. See, Jesus wasn't living for himself. He was living for his Father, and in his humanity, Jesus knew that his life here on earth was all about bringing glory to his Father, and if that's true for Jesus Christ, our Savior, how much more than for us too? But how? 
How do we bring God glory? Well, Jesus answers that very question for us in John chapter 15, verse 8. Here's what Jesus said. He said, this is to my Father's glory, and there it is, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so what God, what's God's will for your life? Well, God's will for your life and for my life is to bring God glory. But how do I do that? Again, you bring glory. It's in your notes. You bring glory by bearing fruit. Hey, I don't know if you're anticipating spring at all like I am. I mean, I am done with the winter for sure. And uh, I thought I'd show you a few pictures that I keep on my phone that just kind of, uh, uh, these are from my yard last year, last spring. And you can question my manhood because I keep pictures of my flowers on my phone. Uh, But these just kind of reveal uh, a little bit of the anticipation of what I'm looking forward to and getting back in the yard again and seeing new life and seeing new growth uh, from flowers uh, like these. But look at what Jesus had to say about growth in gardens. And in John 15, uh, verses 1 and 2, he gives us a comparison, something that we can relate with. He said this, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I want you to notice how Jesus points out that there are different levels of fruitfulness. I mean, if you look closely at these verses, you'll see first how it's quite possible to bear no fruit, and then there is fruit, but there's also what Jesus refers to as more fruit. Now, what does the gardener do with the branches that bear no fruit? It says he cuts them off. They're dead. I mean, they're useless to him. And with the branch that has fruit on it, he prunes. And, and here Jesus is referring to what we would call sanctification or transformation. Ben talked about this a little bit last week. This is God's work in our lives and in our hearts. It, it means that he uses, excuse me, he uses our experiences and circumstances. He, he removes some things. He prunes us and he shapes us so that we will be what? Even more fruitful. Because in our fruitfulness, we're bringing glory to God. And what kind of fruit brings him glory? Well, listen to John 15, 8 again. It says, this is to my Father's glory, Jesus said, that you bear what? Much fruit. More fruit. See, God's will for your life and for my life is that we bear fruit and that we will be even more fruitful. And basically, you know, there are two kinds of biblical fruit when you look at it, two kinds of fruit that God wants to produce in your life and in me. We'll call it uh, internal fruit, and we'll call it external fruit. Now, internal fruit is God's will, his work in our internal self. This is the work that God wants to do in us. It's his work in our mind. It's his work in our heart. He's, he's working to shape us and uh, to shape our character and to rearrange our priorities, Now, the external fruit is the work, and it's God's will for our external lives. This is what others see and experience. This is what others come into contact with as we live our lives each day. This is the work that God wants to do through us. It's about being rich in good deeds and our influence for the people around us. See, God, what God wants to do is he wants to take your internal life, and he wants to transform you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. He wants to give you the heart and the mind, and the character of Jesus, and, and he wants to produce the fruit of humility, and obedience, faith, and things like trust, and love, and patience, and kindness in you. And not only does he want to bear internal fruit in you, but it's God's will that your external life will more and more every single day reflect the life of Jesus Christ. And God wants to love people, 
and he wants to serve people through you just like he did with Jesus. I mean, listen to this. Listen to what Jesus said about himself and the work that God was doing through him. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, there were some special rights and privileges that came with making a statement like that. But I want you to notice how Jesus is giving glory to God by bearing fruit through him. And he goes on later to say in chapter 17, Jesus said that he came to the earth to do what? To finish the work that God gave him to do. And so that's the life of our leader. That's the life of our example, Jesus Christ. And and so what does he say to you and me? I mean, what does he say to the people of Genesis Church? What does he say to those of us who would call ourselves Christians and say that we belong to him? Jesus says, come, come follow me. You you come live like me and learn from me. Finish the work. Make disciples. Help people find their way back to God. See, Jesus modeled a fruitful life for us, and it was the fruit of his life that brought all of this glory to God. And, And while we see that in Jesus, man, the same is true for you. The same is true in your life. You bring God glory by bearing fruit. And that means that when anger in your life turns to forgiveness... Uh, when arrogance turns into things like humility, uh, when deep frustration becomes compassion, when despair turns into hope, you're bearing fruit, and that fruit brings God glory. Your, your good deeds bring glory to God. I mean, Jesus said when you do something as small as give a cup of cold water uh, to a child, it brings God glory. That reminds us that when you serve in something like Gen Kids, you're bringing God glory. Uh, When you give of yourself for something like the on behalf of the hungry outreach that we're doing, you're bringing glory to God. When you come into a room like this and you sing and you lift your hands to God and you worship, you're bringing glory to God. Your deeds and your serving and your decisions bring glory to God. They bring him glory and that glory, it brings him joy and it brings him great joy. You know, that word joy was kind of a theme uh, for our team, 19 of us uh, that returned from Haiti, uh, well, last Saturday. And uh, we spent a week together serving with our partner, uh, Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti. And as people ask me about my trip, uh, one of the things that I say is that I think that Haiti is one of the saddest and happiest places on earth. And, and I say sad because there is extreme poverty. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, if you ever have a chance to visit, but I also say happiest because in spite of those things that we would say that they don't have, man, you encounter joy and happiness and contentment in ways that maybe we often take for granted uh, right here in our own country. And um, I I shared some pictures with you just so you could kind of get a glimpse of our team that serves so well together. Uh, students and adults. We had a great time uh, working together. We'll just kind of move through a few of these pictures uh, here for you. If you go to Haiti, this is uh, how you travel. This is called a tap-tap, and uh, that just simply means pack as many people as you can into one moving vehicle. And uh, so that was the tap-tap that we spent some time riding around in. Uh, There's a couple of our uh, uh, people from our church there with some chickens because there's a lot of wildlife roaming around, so that's always fun. Uh, Next picture here. Uh, We spent some time uh, working in the kitchen, helping to prepare food, because not only were we the only team there, that there was many as 70 people total, and so some from our team joined in and helped with the preparation of food for all the teams. Uh, Here's a couple, Katie and and Janelle, serving together in the kitchen, this next picture here. 
There's Will. Uh, and I'll tell you that if the beard really makes a move in the nation of Haiti, we'll owe a lot of credit to this guy right here uh, for his beautiful work. Uh, we spent some time helping to build a home uh, for, a, a young, uh, for a woman in the village of Shambrun. And man, they make do with what they have. And uh, this is a pretty solid piece of construction, believe it or not. And so we enjoyed helping to lay the block uh, for this home. Here's Kyle working inside of that home. Uh, it was hot and warm, 95 degrees, but we did not complain a bit because we knew what was going on here. Uh, next photo. Uh, here's an outhouse uh, that some from our team built a couple of years ago. It's still standing. It's got a funny odor uh, if you get real close to it, but that's been real helpful. Uh, here's a church in Onaville. Now, Onaville, uh, immediately following the earthquake, about 600,000 people uh, walked outside of the city and basically set up a new city uh, right on the side of a mountain. They just put up this brand new church here a few weeks ago. They had 700 people show up for their very first Sunday, and they're helping to provide clean water uh, to the community of Onaville, sharing the gospel message of Jesus. Uh, next picture here. Uh, there was another uh, means of transportation. We were getting ready uh, to go back to the airport. And so, again, we helped with the building of a home. Uh, we helped in, in a garden that's coming together there. Uh, some from our team were able to participate in a medical clinic. I come back so encouraged um, by our work and our partnership with NVM. But anyways, back to joy. Every night we gathered together as a team and we talked about, hey, what'd you see today? What'd you experience today? And we just kept coming back to this word joy and you know, what it would mean to interact with a family or to interact with a young child. And man, they just loved your affection, the, the physical affection, to be able to grab your hand, to be hugged or to be held. And, you know, and the time that we spent worshiping with the people of Haiti uh, in this church in Shambrun and just the joy that came from that experience. And, and here's one of the things that we talked about too. And I think this is so fascinating. I think this will just blow your mind if you really reflect on it. But not only... Do you and I in our lives experience joy in those God sort of moments where we're serving or we know that we're close to him? But get this, he experiences that joy too. And not only does he experience my joy each day, but he experiences the joy of all of his people all day long at all times. Can you imagine the intensity of that joy as God's people are serving and bringing him glory in our deeds and in our decisions and in the way that we live our lives and how we're bearing fruit, that, those things, they bring him glory. They bring him great joy. So what's God's will for your life? We're here to point to God. We're here to bring him glory for all things. And what brings him great glory? It's his people. It's his children like you and me bearing fruit in the way that we're living our lives. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, okay, all right, I get it. Uh, I'm here to bring God glory. I know that he wants to bear fruit in me and through me, but how does that happen? Well, let's talk about what's most important, uh, and it's the most important truth in all of this, and you may not see it at first, but it's a truth that comes right out of something that Jesus says to his disciples and to you and me. Look at John 15. Verse 5, Jesus said again, in the same context, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Again, he's still in these gardening sort of terms. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the secret to bearing much fruit is not in trying harder. It's not in volunteering for one more thing. The secret to bearing fruit is remaining in Jesus and Jesus remaining in us. 
You see, the reality is that we cannot produce fruit on our own and in and of ourselves. We can't make ourselves more patient. Uh, You can't make yourself more kind. We cannot influence others on our own and with our own wisdom and in our own efforts. It's Jesus. It's Jesus living in us. It's the Holy Spirit that produces that fruit. But what's my part? It's remaining in him. It's remaining close to Jesus. Now, some translations use the word abide, that remaining in Jesus means to abide in Jesus. It's staying in constant contact and and, and connection to him. It's living in relationship with God on a day-to-day moment or or basis, moment-by-moment basis. This is God's will for our lives. And so let's look at that key phrase again one more time, that key phrase from the top of the message. What's God's will for my life, for your life? You bring God glory by bearing fruit. But what does that come out of? It comes out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, hey, just as the branch is completely and absolutely dependent on the vine, so too should we. Because all of life and fruit in the branch, it flows from the vine. And Jesus is the vine. He's just pointing to himself. He's saying, I am the source. We are merely the branch. And like the branch, we are desperately dependent on the vine to produce that fruit in us, uh, that fruit that brings God glory. Can you see why it's about the relationship? Christianity, and in its purest form, is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything, everything good flows from a relationship with Jesus. And so God's will for our life is that we will remain relationally connected to his son. Look at that phrase from John 15, five again. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. You know, Jesus' emphasis here isn't that we should uh, dwell on our weaknesses or dwell on our inadequacies in any way, but instead it's to remind us of the incomparable adequacy that comes from our relationship with him. See, we weren't created. You weren't created to survive on your own. And so Jesus says, come follow me. Come live like me. Stay close to me. Be in relationship with me. Let the presence of God move and work powerfully in your life. Again, Christianity is all about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a relationship with our Savior. And honestly, I think this is precisely where the problem lies for so many people today. So many people who call themselves Christians but yet lack so much joy and significance and purpose in their lives and so much strength. Because here's what we do. We go through the motions. Uh, We go through the motions of church and and we attend church most weeks and and we do some work here and there and we do it all on our part, but, but there's no relationship. We're not giving to the relationship. We worship church instead of worshiping the creator, and so we're left empty uh, to these joyless, uh, insignificant sort of lives. And how do I know this? Because it's me. Like, it's, it's my story. I mean, it's what I've struggled with and still struggle with today. I mean, when I focus all of my attention on the motions and so-called practices of Christianity, I get frustrated. And the joy, you know, it goes away, but... But when I'm drawing close to Jesus and when I return to him and, and I give myself over and over again to him, well, I mean, it makes all the difference. See, God's will for my life is that I bring God glory by bearing fruit. And that fruit comes out of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so how do I do that? I mean, if God made himself available to me, and wants to be in relationship with me, and wants to provide in me and produce much fruit in my life, then how do I remain? And how do I abide? 
I mean, I can only be in relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, but what do I need to bring to the relationship in order to stay connected to the vine? I want to give you four things to think about, four things that I'm learning, four things for your life too, uh, some things that you and I, that we bring to the relationship with Jesus. The first thing is this, it starts when you confess your total dependence on God. Now, for some of you, maybe many of you, this is precisely where you need to start today. Because it's about waving the white flag in your life. It's you saying, God, I need you. I need your help. I've been trying to do this all on my own, and I can't do it anymore without you. Now, here's, here's the good news, bad news with confessing your total dependence on God. If you want to get this right, you're going to have to pray this prayer. You're going to have to confess this prayer every day for the rest of your life. Because you see, here's, here's how this relationship with our Father in heaven is different than our relationship with a father or a parent here on the earth. You know, because my parents raised me right, um, I have very little dependence on them today. Uh, my mom doesn't cook for me anymore. She doesn't pick up my clothes uh, in the morning. She doesn't uh, make food for me. She doesn't uh, drive me to basketball games. I mean, my wife reminds me all the time, your mama doesn't live here, all right? And so I'm on my own. You know, I've got to do these things for myself. And as I grew and as I left for college, I became less and less dependent on my parents. But here's the thing. Your growing relationship with Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. And as you grow in your faith and as you get to know him, and as you trust him with your life, you don't become less and less dependent on him. You become more dependent on him. You see, the branch is totally dependent on the vine. No vine, no life. No vine, no fruit. And you and I, we have to get to this place where we realize that as followers of Jesus, we are absolutely and completely dependent on him. I have to confess my total dependence on God every day, and it's changing me, and it's changing the relationship, and it's changing me for the good. And it can do the same for you. The second thing is this. It's about talking to Jesus. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but this is the primary activity in remaining or abiding in Christ. It's talking to him in prayer. See, what do I bring to this relationship with God through Jesus? I talk to him and I pray to him. And do you want to know what one of my prayers is for this year? I mean, one of my prayers, one of the things that I want to see God do in my life is just to keep growing this passion and this desire and this dependence on prayer. You know, I realize that if I'm going to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I can't do it without praying. And you know what? If you're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't do it outside of prayer. And so what am I doing about it? Well, for me, I'm getting up most every morning, and I'm spending time talking to God. And I get up before anyone else in our house, and I don't take a computer because I don't want that distraction. But I have a Bible, I have a pen, and I have a notebook, and I've just been writing out my prayers to God. And I go before him, and I write out those things that I'm thinking. I write out what's on my mind. I talk to God when I'm happy. I talk to God when I'm tired. I talk to God when I'm anxious or sad, and I ask him questions. And do you know what? I love it. And I love what's happening in me, and I love knowing that God wants to spend time with me, and he wants to hear from me, and I get to hear from him. I can't stay connected to the vine outside of prayer. Prayer is essential in remaining close to Jesus. And the point of prayer isn't to get an answer out of it. The point of prayer isn't about me getting what I want, because God's not like some sort of genie that we just go to and we wait for him to answer our wishes. But first and foremost, it's about staying close to him. It's about our dependence on him. It's about staying relationally connected to him. And as I pray, do you know what I see happening in my life? It's the third thing. I'm trusting him. 
I'm trusting him more and more. I'm trusting him more than I ever have before. Staying close to Jesus means trusting Jesus. We bring that to the relationship. It's about trusting him as the leader of all things. I I find myself trusting his leadership and his direction as I pray, and I'm waiting on him to reveal what he wants to do next in my life uh, for any given situation, and I know that he provides, and I have peace knowing that he has plans for my life. See, growing in your relationship with Jesus is about staying connected. It's about remaining in him. It's about remaining in the vine, and you can't do that without praying. You can't trust Jesus. You're not going to be able to trust Jesus if you're not in conversation with Jesus, if you're not listening to Jesus. You're not going to be able to trust Jesus uh, if you're not reading his word, if you're not reading from the Bible, because you're not going to know those words if you're not reading those words. And so that's why reading the Bible is so important to the relationship too. And it's about doing those things for the sake of strengthening the relationship. And finally, what else do I bring to the relationship? What else do we bring to the relationship? It's our obedience. It's about obeying Jesus. Um, have you ever heard of the uh, concept of the five love languages? Uh, Gary Smalley wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, and it's about what you need to do to show love to your spouse so that they feel love because every person receives and experiences love in different ways. And so for some people, I mean, your love language might be the quality time. Uh, Your love language might be the acts of service or receiving gifts or words of affirmation or physical touch. I like what our groups and discipleship pastor Kevin Russell has to say about obedience. He likes to say that obedience is God's love language. Our obedience brings him great glory. Now, don't get me wrong. God doesn't love you more when you obey. And he certainly doesn't love you less when you disobey. But what will happen, what you'll find is that you will experience more and more of his love as you obey. You see, our obedience increases our ability to see and experience his love, God's love for you. And obedience, when you think about it, is living as Jesus lived. It's living that life. It's modeling that life. It's looking to his life and modeling your life after his. And so maybe today you need to start asking yourself, what does it look to obey? What does it look like to obey Jesus in my work or in my career right now? I mean, we might want to ask God, what's your will for my life? And maybe part of that question, part of that response for us, part of that evaluation is, okay, what does it look like to bring God glory by bearing fruit from my relationship with Jesus in my work or in my career right now? Uh, what does it look like to obey Jesus at school or in the college uh, that you attend? Uh, what does it look like to obey Jesus, to honor Jesus, to bring God glory in your dating relationship right now? Or when you're with men or women away from your spouse, you know, what does it look like to bring him honor, to bring him glory, to bear fruit? out of my relationship with Jesus? What does it mean to obey Jesus in my parenting? See, God's will for your life and my life is that we bring him glory by bearing much fruit, and that comes out of our connection to the vine, our relationship, that constant relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about staying closely connected to the source, remaining in the vine. When I'm in constant relationship with Jesus Christ and he's doing his work in me, I'm bearing fruit. And that fruit brings God glory. And for me, I experience joy and significance for living out his will and his purposes for my life. I want to show you two final pictures. Uh, This first picture here 
uh, taken from that village of Onaville, really looks out on the valley uh, that just makes up this central part of Haiti, and Port-au-Prince kind of uh, lies in this valley, and way out off in the distance, and I know that you can't see it, is uh, the village of Chambrun, where NVM first got started and where we spend uh, most of our time. And what I wanted you to see in this picture is how dry and barren Haiti really is. That's one of the challenges that they're up against is the dry and the barrenness. And that goes not only from, you know, climate conditions and just how hot it is all the time, but really neglect and manipulation and a lot of unfortunate leadership over the years as they just strip the land of all of its resources and all of its agriculture. This is what the people are up against today in a place like Haiti. But I want to show you some of the hope that's springing up in Haiti, too, and um, this is in Chambrun, and this is directly across the street, across the road from where we stay at the NVM headquarters, and uh, this is a field. And I know it might be difficult for you to see, and I'm going to only try and explain it in the way that, that I was able to experience it, but if you look real closely, you can see the growth. And uh, the farmers and the volunteers and the people of Chambrun are learning farming, and they've been working the soil. And I don't know if you can see at the bottom of the picture, but they've dug a deep well, and they're now laying these irrigation tubes, and all of a sudden, crops are growing. There's hope coming to this uh, particular area uh, just outside of Chambrun. And I think this picture says everything about the potential for your life and my life through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? If you remember that story from the Gospel of John to the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, I'm the living water. Everyone who drinks from this water will never be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give to them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would know uh, your will and your passion for our lives, that we're here to bring you glory, uh, to give praise to your name, to give all honor and all credit to you, to bear fruit in our lives and in our circumstances and in every context that surrounds us right now, to bring you glory, to point to you. But I pray that we would see and realize this morning that we're not going to do that effectively outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that we would see and know that he is the source of all things, that he is our living water, and that everything that we are and everything that we hope to be, to do for you, it all comes out of that relationship. God, show us the next steps to take. Increase our dependence and our hunger and our thirst for you this morning. And then show us what it looks like to walk out of these doors and to go do it and to lean and to live and to trust and to obey for all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray.